my rescue story. You are, you are, Lord, you were my rescue story. Let's stand together, rescued folks. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many can say you're glad tonight the Lord rescued you? Some of you probably thinking, well, he rescued me from drinking. He rescued me from church. The most important thing he rescued you from was from yourself. You might as well say, man, you're the greatest enemy you've got. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Isn't it even better to be the house of the Lord? God bless you. We're so happy to be together tonight. What a privilege it is for us in the end time when the darkness is permeating the world all around us. We're living truly in the last days. And we know the prophet has taught us that the last days cannot come until the people in the last days get in the spirit of the last days. Can't come. They must be synchronized with the last days. Well, may I go on to say, he went on to tell us, in order for the rapture to come, if they've got to be in the spirit of the last days, you're going to have to be in the spirit of change. Not change with the world, but body change. I believe God's equipping us for that by his grace. That's right. He takes the ministry of the word. He takes trials. He takes tests. All the culmination of all of that together makes us into the very image of what he wants us to be. Amen. God bless you. We're honored tonight to have Brother Jason Watkins with us tonight and in the morning. We're just looking forward to see what the Lord's placed on our brother's heart for our, our assembly tonight. How I many has needs? I know they don't even have to even ask that. So you just pull on the gift of God. Now remember, I saw the case he brought in. It's one of the big long kinds, got a strap over his shoulder. But there wasn't one ounce of revival in that case. There was not one ounce of deliverance itself in that case. And a lot of it will depend on what, no matter how much he studied, a lot of the service will depend upon you and I, what we do is it. He can have the most tremendous sermon that's ever been preached laid down on his notes. It can be so astounding that the angels are spellbound by its contents. But it won't do very much good if we as the recipients of it don't pull on the gift of God and say, Lord, please help me. You know my needs. You know my desires. You know, Father, where I am. Please help me tonight. Use your manservant to be able to speak to me. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's sing together, touching Jesus, Harry. So we invite our brother to come. <clears throat> it is absolutely pour in the rain on the outside. I opened the door while I go just to look. I got my whole side of my suit got drowned. I had to go in the bathroom and take a hairdryer and dry myself off. Right, Brother Darrell? Brother Darrell saw it. Just a few seconds and the wind come through and blew the door out and blew me outside with it. So now if a natural wind can do that, wonder what the Holy Ghost could do. If we'd just be able to get into a place where he could come among us tonight. <clears throat> Amen. Let's just open our hearts. Touching Jesus is all 
that really matters Then your life will never be the same Amen There's only one way to touch Him Oh yes, you must believe Thank God Let's sing it again with all of our hearts Oh, touching Jesus Is all that really Matters. And then your life will never be the same. There's only one way to touch Him. You must believe. Jason doesn't really need much of an introduction. We've been friends, and he's been not only personal friends with Carol and I and his wife, but also friends of our church. And uh, <clears throat> actually, Brother Jason is really better known by his son. Brother Matt is, is an associate of Happy Valley. Brother Matt Watkins is an associate of Happy Valley, so we're glad to have his father visiting with us tonight. So much truth in that. Wow. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> I have so many times been ministering. This has happened more than a few times. And uh, ministering somewhere where Matt has not ministered. And, uh, you know, in the course of fellowship after church, what more, with the pastor and talking about in you know, the service and, and there was perhaps a blessing that they felt and and I would just say, well, you know, if, if, you, if you appreciated that, then you should really call my son, uh, Matt. I said, because he, you know, he preaches circles around me. And, and you know, I, when pastors, they've not heard him preach, you know, there's kind of that, like, proud papa. <laughs> proud papa. And I'm like, no, for real. I'm straight up. And uh, so then in the course of time, they'll have him preach, and then I never get called again. <laughs> And that has happened so many times. Well, you know, I, I take that back. I do, this is for real. I do get called by them. And when I pick up, Brother Jason, how are you? Hey, Brother, God bless you. Amen. Say, I can't get a hold of Matt. Can you give me his number? <laughs> and uh, usually when I get a call from him, I just go ahead and get his number ready to give to him. And so, amen. But it is, uh, it is a wonderful uh, privilege to be here tonight. And so we're just going to look. Uh, in the word. Amen. You ready to do that? Yes. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 20. I'm sorry, 32. Genesis 32. <clears throat> I think that's what I sent the, uh, the team in the back. Amen. Yes. Genesis 32. <clears throat> 
All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Genesis 32. And uh, you'll just find your place there and we'll take a few verses. I just want to say what a privilege it is to be here again. Amen. And so uh, <clears throat> the, uh, you can't, you can't, you're always going to end up in an obligation way. So I talked Brother Donnie and kind of trapped him into coming to the minister's meeting. And uh, then he reverse trapped me into preaching tonight and tomorrow. So this makes me ahead. So he owes me quite a lot. And uh, so we're going to have to figure that out. Amen. Amen. It owes me quite a bit now. So uh, we're just a privilege, a great privilege to be here in so many familiar faces uh, that I've, uh, I've seen. And though most of the faces here seem like I see a few, um, a few new faces, but uh, a few new pounds on a few new people. But uh, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Genesis chapter 32. <clears throat> Let me get preaching. If I stand here and talk, I'll get nervous. So amen. All right. Genesis 32. <clears throat> and let's look from, um, well, I just lost my place. See there what talking does? Uh, let me get back down to it. <clears throat> wow, that's a lot of notes. Amen. It's all on, the, on, a, on a series. Ironically, I'm not preaching on the series, which is peculiar, uh, why the Lord would have me put the notes in all of these notes. But amen. All right, there we go. Verse 22 through 30. This is the story, of course, of Jacob wrestling with the Lord. <clears throat> and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day and when he saw that he prevailed not against him he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him and he said let me go for the day breaketh and he said I will not let thee go except thou bless me and he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince <clears throat> hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that we've now partook of, and there's a blessing in just reading your word, Lord. And Father, we're standing here tonight as helpless mortals, we and all of your riches are hid in Christ and and because they're hid in Christ they have to be revealed by Christ they're hid in God and no man can pry them loose Lord no seminary can understand the great riches of his grace Lord that that is that is hid in God and that it is only revealed by the spirit 
So Lord, tonight we come before you, Lord, as needy people, and we're asking we wouldn't dare take you for granted. We wouldn't dare just walk in here and plop down and just take you for granted. Oh, just bless me, Lord. No, Lord, this is a, a, a hallowed moment when we come to your word. So we're <laughs> humbling ourselves, Father, and we're humbling ourselves again, Lord. And Father, we want to be little in your sight and be little to ourselves and trust in you. I, it's you who gave me this sermon to preach. It's not me. It has nothing to do with me, Lord. The gift is not me. The gift is simply something. It's a tool that operates inside me. It's yours. You put it there. You click it on. You turn it off. So I'm asking you right now, Lord, to light it up, Lord. Let, let your anointing come upon both speaker and hearer. We don't ask that lightly. We ask it because we believe you'll do it. Lord, you sent your word and healed the people, and we sure need your healing tonight. Lord, you sent your word to cleanse us, and we sure need cleansing tonight. Your words are health to all of our flesh, and we sure need, Lord, health in all of our flesh, all of our mind, our body, and our soul. Grant it to us tonight, Lord. We're just before you now as children looking to our Father to feed us. We commit it to you. May we capture our minds now, Lord, and submit ourselves to you and to your word in advance, Lord. May you bind every evil spirit, every contrary spirit. Lord, may you just bind it right now and take every spirit under your control for your glory. Lord, we give it to you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. I want to speak to you tonight on a, a very short title called The Main Thing. Amen. The Main Thing. <clears throat> it's a beautiful story that we read here in the Genesis account of the life of Jacob. Jacob was a very unique man and Brother Branham talks about his life that, you know, he says if you study the life of Jacob, you sure are going to have to believe in a lot of grace. And that, uh, because when you read it, it seems like, you know, that, that there's going to be some qualification issues that are going to knock this guy out. And, you know, when, whenever you begin to uh, speak about election, and I'm not going down this vein, at least not tonight, but just it occurs to me as I'm standing here, but, you know, when you talk about God's sovereignty in election and, you know, you, 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 can, you, can, you can go back, you know, to, uh, you know, you can go back to Isaac and Ishmael and, and, you can, and you can show God's election there. But, of course, the, you know, people who want to resist that argument, uh, they, they go to the fact that, you know, they had different uh, mothers, between Isaac and Ishmael. And so, you know, it's, it's because that, you know, Isaac was the child of Abraham and Sarah is why God would choose him. But that argument falls apart when you get to Esau and Jacob. Because they had the same mom and daddy. And both of their parents, godly people. And so we realize that, that God made his choice and the Bible says that he loved Jacob and that uh, he hated Esau uh, because, you know, Esau despised him. And, you know, it doesn't mean that Esau, 
uh, despised as in like what we might think. Despised in that sense of the Hebrew language meant that the birthright just really meant nothing to Esau. It just, he didn't value it at all. And to Jacob, it was not only something great, it was everything. And so, uh, you know, by hook or crook or however he had to do it, uh, you know, jump, sink or swim, he had to have that birthright. And so, you know, he, he goes his whole life and, and God deals with him. And you come to this 32nd chapter in his life and Jacob's been through a, a lot of things. We'll talk about it as we go. I don't want to just get it all out right here at the beginning, but you know, chapter 32 is, uh, is, is what I like to think of as a miraculous healing chapter in Jacob's life. Yes, and I, I mean it to use it that way, a healing chapter. I think you'll understand some more as I go along. <clears throat> so, you know, Jacob comes to this wrestling match and the angel of the Lord, being God himself, uh, says, you know, let me go. And he says, you know, um, I, 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 won't, I won't let you go until you bless me. Now, bear in mind that, that Jacob had, had, had been so blessed of God already. I mean, it, you know, you say, wow, a, a guy like this with all of the blessing that God has already poured on him, he's already got the birthright, He's already, he, you know, he, he, Jacob could, could tell a story. By the time he comes to wrestle here in chapter 32, he's already got stories of, of many times of miracles and blessings and visitations. But, you know, he, he come to a point where he needed something more than he had ever had previous. By the time he reaches hit this place, when I look at Jacob in this story, I, I, I see that Jacob, by the time he reaches this place, he was so tired of being Jacob. So when, you know, when he, when I, when I read this story and he's saying, bless me, it's, it's not really so much bless me like heap it on me, Lord, or, you know, give me more than you've already done for me. But he, he, he's saying, change me. Because Brother Branham is using this wrestling match to, to illustrate your new birth. Because we gotta wrestle it out and we gotta, we gotta get a name change. We gotta go from a, a deceiver. We gotta become a prince. And only God can do that. And so, you know, he, here he is and he's, he's been Jacob and, and, and he's, he's been a deceiver and he's been a shyster and, and yet God has blessed him. And so he comes to God and, and it's, it's really, you know, change me. If I could put it this way, it's heal me of myself. Change me to something more than I've been. Heal me of being me. I think we'd all want to say that. Lord, heal me of being me. I, I, that's the kind of blessing I need tonight. I don't need, uh, you know, a big bank account. I don't need a fleet of Cadillacs. I need, I'm tired of being me. I want to be you. <laughs> Brother Branham tells the story of the magic flower. And I'm not going to read it all. It's a lengthy reading, but I'm sure you've read it. He says the man he picked, one day he picked a flower and the flower's magic. The flower had made a statement to him, you've been poor all your life now. 
Ask what you will and it will be given to you. And so he said, in yonder mountain, you know, I, I would that yonder mountain would open up and I'd go in there and I'd find gold and treasure uh, in this mountain. And he says, well, you'll have to take me with you wherever you go. You have to take me with you. So wherever I am, then you can ask what you will. And so he walks to the mountain and, and the mountain open and he goes in. And here, Brother Bram describes, you know, just shelves and shelves and, of gold and diamonds. And, and the, as, the, as he said, as the little fairy story goes, and he laid the flower on a table or a rock and, and, and he, he run and grabbed a great big gem and, oh, I must go show this to my friends. And, and now I'm a rich man and I have everything now and, and, I, and I must show this. And the flower spoke up and said, but you forgot the main thing. And so he, you know, he runs back in, he, he, he picks up and, and gets some more gold and a piece of silver. And I'll hurry out and tell the people how rich I am. And, the, and, and he got to the door and the flower said, but you forgot the main thing. And so he runs back and, I, and he finds kinds of materials and he picked up a stone and he, I'll go take this stone and show the people what kind of stone the mountain's made of. And, the, and he started to the door and the flower, but you forgot the main thing. And he says, oh, shut up. He didn't want to hear it anymore. He didn't want to hear about the main thing. And he ran out the door and when he did, the door closed behind him and the flower inside, the main thing was the flower. The main thing was not the treasure. The main thing was the flower. Hallelujah. As long as he had the flower, as long as he had the main thing, he could ask what he will. This is from Come Follow Me in 1963. And he says this prospector had come in and found a lot of money, struck a lot of gold. And, and he had an old dog with him. And you know the story. Again, I'm not going to read it all, just skimming across it. And he, you know, he, he, he gets home and, and uh, it, it hit the mines and, and, and the dog, you know, the dog was his, his alarm system for intruders and the dog would bark and, and the man, you know, the man didn't want to be bothered. He's rich. He struck it rich. He don't have, his troubles are over. You know, he don't have to worry and slave away anymore. And he can, he can take it easy, you know, and he can be an important person. And he can, you know, he can have influence now. And, and the old dog, the old faithful dog starts barking because here comes the, here comes the bandit. And the bandit's slipping up and the dog starts barking and the man, oh, shut up. And the dog calms down until the man makes another move and the dog starts again. And the man's in here trying to enjoy, oh, that dog, shut up. And he goes back a second time, a third time, shut up. Until finally we, we, he says, while, while he's trying to go to sleep and the dog is barking, he's seen the outlaw coming, slipping up, waiting for the prospector to go to sleep. I hope you're hearing the message of a prophet tonight. While you're sleeping and slumbering, thinking you're okay. Hey, you're not okay. You're not okay. And the outlaw is coming and he's slipping up and he's waiting for you to go to sleep. And he screamed at the dog again, shut up. You know, it, it's, 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 it's too often times that we say, oh, that preacher, I wish he'd shut up. You know, young people get tired of hearing mama tell them the right ways. They get tired of hearing daddy, you know, we got to get ready and go to church. Oh, I just wish everybody would shut up and leave me alone and let me do what I want to do. And the dog started barking. The prospector had a shotgun. He didn't want to be bothered. So many people don't want to be bothered. 
and it's raised up and shot the dog. And the prospector was killed that night by the outlaw. All of his fancy dreams done him no good. I want to say that again. Listen. All his fancy dreams did no good. See. So he said he stilled the voice that was warning him. There's nobody can try to do anything. You kids would never be able to do anything wrong after being raised the way you are unless you would feel something tell you not to do it. Don't never steal that voice that's warning you. And always remember, always remember, always remember, always remember, accept that voice that said, follow me and you'll always come out right. God has a voice uh, that says and cries out to us, follow me. We find that in, we're not going to turn to it tonight, I'm just making a reference. But we find that in Hebrews, the third chapter, the first verse, Paul speaking to the church about how that by grace they've been made partakers of the heavenly calling. And everybody loves that language. By grace, you've been made a partaker of the heavenly calling. And we find then that, 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 that this grace comes through faith. And as soon as you attach it to faith, then we've got to connect it to Abraham, who is then a figure, or maybe another word would be a prototype of those who uh, by grace have been made partakers. Abraham is a prototype. He believed God. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. But we find that when God, if you really go back to Genesis and take the story of Abraham slowly, you'll find that from the time God first calls him, says, just leave here and go to a place I'll show you. Well, where's it at? Just leave here and I'll show you. And so we find, and I, I don't want to deal with all of the, the, you know, the first 10 years in Haran and different places, you, you find that God began to speak to him. And every time that it's notable in the scripture that when God would speak to him and Abraham would obey, as soon as he would obey, then God would speak again. And as soon as he would obey that, then God would speak again. And as soon as he stopped obeying, God stopped speaking. And I promise you, God can wait you out. I give you my word. He can wait you out. And he wouldn't speak again until Abraham obeyed. And, it's, and so, so by the consequence of these things, we see that Abraham had to get to a point where then it's many years actually, it's not until years after God's first call to Abraham that God then says to him in chapter 15, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. So Abraham was first required to break completely from his old life and separate. That was a requirement. That wasn't an opinion. God didn't say, I think it'd be a good idea. God told him very explicitly, leave everything. And, and, and the fact that Abraham didn't do that is what caused all of that delay. And so finally we, we see that 
once Abraham had separated, once he had broken completely, once he had submitted himself unreservedly to God to walk by faith, once he had got to a place where he was willing to act in unquestioning obedience, once he hit that point, that he's going to walk in unquestioning obedience to God's revealed will, then and only then does the heritage become his. Only then does God say, I'm the one who called you out of there to give you all of this. So we can see then in our prototype of those who as we as, we, as we've talked about, you know, by grace have been made partakers of the heavenly calling. By grace, through faith. But we can see that Abraham, you know, received very real and definite demands upon him. God's not Santa Claus. I probably said it here before, but I haven't been here in so long. I'll probably say it again now. <laughs> He's not a vending machine. You don't get in a need and go get 50 cents worth of deliverance. That's not how you treat God. He needs to be your everything. You're all in all. You, you say, I, 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 I just want to hear about grace, by, that by grace I've been made a partaker. Brother Jason, just tell me, by grace I'm a partaker of the heavenly calling. I'll be happy to tell you that, but I'm also going to show you that Abraham as a prototype had very definite demands in order to get there. Brother Branham said, every promise of God is conditioned. So you, 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 you don't just get to believe and then you're born again. You're going to have to start with that. But even if you're going to get the right kind of belief, even God's going to have to give you that. And once you do that, then, then, then you're going to repent. And then you're going to get baptized. And you're going to do it correctly. And the Holy Ghost is going to come. And then you're going to grow in grace. But for sure... You're not just going to be able to have a mental agreement to the word and then suddenly you don't have to change anything. You don't have to become any kind. You can stay Jacob. You don't need to become Israel. You don't need to wrestle. You can just live under the blessing because you believe. I'm here to tell you something, friends. You're going to be in for a sad disappointment. So Abraham received very real, I'm about to knock something over, very real. Is there water in here? I'm pretty sure. All right, super. He received very real and, and, and definite demands. And of course, readers of the book of Romans know that in the fourth chapter, that Paul begins to take that and show us how that Abraham is the father of us all. Thank you, sir. He's the father of us all. Romans 4 tells you that. So, so we realize then, then if that being, that, that being the case, then each of his children must be conformed to the family likeness. Amen? I mean, you're, you're not coming into the family of God, you know, to be a, 
to be a, a, a to, to stay a black sheep or a rebel. You're coming into conformity of the family. You're coming into a harmony with God. Not, not just so you can have all the riches of heaven. God has a job for you to do. There's a project. And it's got your name on it. And that's why you're here. I don't care how you got here. That has no bearing on it. I don't care. You might have came under the worst possible conditions. I'm here to tell you God has a job for you. But we've got to approach it his way. So then faith then is not all about just the grace of God. Faith involves duty of the creature. Now when you go into Paul and James, you'll get a, get a balance of that. So I, I in fact, is uh, A.W. Pink calls it, calls it, says it like this, obedience is faith's daughter. Calls it obedience, faith's daughter. Galatians 5, 6 tells us faith worketh by love. Faith doesn't lay in a hammock. Faith worketh by love. Amen? Faith's not at Disney World. Faith worketh by love. Before Israel, I'm going to prove this to you out of the Bible tonight and out of the message, before Israel could enter into the possession and enjoy their inheritance, the Jordan has to be crossed, cities have to be captured, battles have to be fought, the Canaanites have to be conquered. This isn't Fantasy Island. This, this is a rest in the Holy Ghost. You've got to labor to enter in to rest. So we labor to enter in. People say, I thought the Holy Ghost was rest. The Holy Ghost is rest of the soul. It means that you have ceased fighting against God. And now you can rest. Amen? So, so we labor to enter into, into rest. So, so real rest is rest of the soul. You don't, your mind is no longer enmity. God's not your enemy. You're not his enemy. I'm here to tell you, there's rest in the Holy Ghost. Because now once, once the Holy Ghost comes, now you're fit for service. Now God can actually use you and put you to work. In counseling, you know, and, and, I, and I have a little bit of advantage being a pastor, but in but, in, but in, in, in counseling families and children, and I, and I run into this a lot in police chaplaincy, where I'm dealing with, you know, homes that have problem children. And I already almost always know what I'm going to find as soon as I get there, and sure as anything, I, I run right into it. And I, I run into this in message ranks, where you go into a house, and here is teenagers who are just laying around, doing nothing. Mama's cooking cleaning, scrubbing, washing, and, all, and, and, the, and the most effort they do is to yell down the hallway, when is supper? <laughs> Takes a lot of energy to do that. <laughs> a lot of energy to walk, to get off your bed and walk down and sit at a table and slop it down and then walk back to your bedroom. I'm here to tell you, every family only has two kinds of people in it. It only has two. 
it has contributors and consumers. Amen. <laughs> now I get it. I get. I get that. A, I get that a baby is a consumer. He's just a consumer. It's all he does or she does. Uh, the 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 value you're going to get on on a kickback from a baby is all the beauty and the sweetness and the cuddly, the softness and stuff like that. But it's, of course they're just consumers. You're going to feed them. You're going to change them. You're going to house them. You're going to shelter them, protect them, love them. And and but eventually, as they age, they've got to transition from just being a complete consumer and start being a contributor. And you get to a certain point where you want to talk about an upside down house, have a, a house full of adults and they're all just consumers and nobody's contributors. You're talking about a church out of balance, have a church where only a few brothers and a few sisters are the only contributors and everybody else is just consumers. I'm here to tell you that's not how God builds a family. That's not how God builds a church. Hallelujah. Don't try to tell me that there is rest in the pleasures of sin. There is no rest in the pleasures of sin. I remember all too well the emptiness I remember all too well the chasing of the wind, as Solomon would call it. I remember I have too many regrets for you to tell me sin is a rest. It's a vexation. It's a gnawing. And every Christian, I only have the greatest regret every Christian shares in common is they wish they would have been a Christian sooner. The gnawing feeling of unfulfillment. Oh, I'm gonna tell you, friends, if I didn't have the Lord, oh, I don't know where I would find rest from the madness of this age, the madness of this on the streets. Where would you find rest? I only have one place, and that's in Christ. I already been out there. There's no rest in sin. There's no rest in the world. You're on a continual merry-go-round wasting away and the devil just burning your life up. And the longer you go, I'm not saying God can't even rescue an old person out of finally and get a hold of them. But I'm here to tell you something, friends. There's nothing like you young people. Give your hearts unreservedly to Christ now, tonight, in this service. Don't leave here still being you. Ask God to say, bless me, heal me, change me. then you too can finally find rest in this life. Amen. Serving God is rest. Amen. Brother Branham tells the story from Show Us the Father and it will satisfy us. April 1959, he says, I remember the first herd of cattle I ever tried to drive out of the mountains and my feet felt like two big chunks of lead. I'd rolled off that horse and got my blanket and I thought I was a real cow hand and I put my head in the saddle. And there's an old guy there with us called Slim and another fella from Texas had a guitar. And they were playing songs and the fella Slim had a comb with a piece of paper behind it keeping up with him in tune. 
And the herd was all bedded down. And Brother Bram, just a young, just a, a teenager almost. And he says, and he says, the herd all bedded down. And after a bit, they begin to play down at the cross where my Savior died. It was down there for cleansing from sin I cried. Brother Branham says, my heart began to jump. I took the blanket and pulled it up over my head to keep from hearing it because I was a sinner. And I'm picking up narrative out of another one also and identified Christ about eight months later, but I'm just kind of going back and forth to give you the whole story. He says, I was laying there acting like I was snoring. But when I pulled the blanket down and I thought, now it'll be all over because they've gone to bed and the watch is out there with the cattle. But when I looked up, them big stars was hanging just above me. Something said, who put them up there? And who's holding them in place? And then the wind come through those whispering pines. And it seemed like there was a voice that said, there's a land beyond the river that they call the sweet forever. And we only, we only reach that shore by faith's decree. I got my blanket and pulled it up around my ears. I said, sir, I don't know who you are, but don't punish me until I can find the real thing. God's so great, Brother Branham says, God's so great, He will find you. I don't care where you are. I don't care where you're sitting in here tonight. He will find you. He said He's so great. Don't, he's, don't try to hide from Him. You're fighting a losing battle. Just give up. Don't try to hide. You're fighting a losing battle. Just give up. And you'll be happy. And you can see him everywhere. That constant longing for something higher. Something with meaning. Something with a purpose. You can finally, you can finally like Israel, you can finally take the land because you want to. Sure it's fighting. Sure there's enemies. Sure there's trials. Sure, there's separation. But you, you want to. But Jason, why are you a Christian? Because I want to be. Why do you go to church? Because I like it. What's up with you and the Bible? I love the Bible. I love righteousness. I love the life of Christ. It's rest to me. It's healing to me. My only regrets in this world are when I fail to meet the standard. Hallelujah. Jacob wrestling is indicative of our new birth. And, 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 and now I, I, I want to remember my title, The Main Thing, because I'm, I, I read those quotes from Brother Branham so you can see what is the main thing. You, you know, that, that, that this is what defined Jacob. You know, he had, Jacob had, had already seen angels before he wrestled. That's a pretty good experience. He had heard God speaking to him. So, I mean, here's a man who's, 
who's already seen angels. He's heard God speaking. He's made vows to God. He had miracles and visitations. And he, you know, even, even in his life, he comes later and he prophesies over his sons and he prophesies accurately. He, 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 he becomes a manifested prophecy in his, li in, his, in his life until he literally, as Israel, was living out the word for his hour. One day, uh, you know, Brother Branham talks about a supernatural, how the supernatural power took over Brother Branham's hand and it picked up a pen and wrote a message to a church. You know, the, the, this same supernatural power took over both of Jacob's hands and crossed them to accurately place the blessing on the younger son, much to Joseph's surprise. So it's not that he hadn't had epic things happen in his life, but I'm here to tell you there was nothing that so defined him as when he came to know him in that all-night conflict. You'll do great exploits for God. You'll have all kinds of things happen in your life, but there will be nothing that will so define you as when you can wrestle it out with the angel of the Lord. And it can get down in your heart and change you and turn you from a, a deceiver to a prince and give you a new name. Hallelujah. Nothing would so define him. I think, you know, how many, uh, how many times about all my experiences, you know, with the Lord, but, you know, they, they all pale in comparison and they all have very little value if I don't know him. If I haven't had that time to wrestle it out with the Lord. You can find that example in many places. We can think of Paul. Paul had many things in the realms of the supernatural. Prophecy. Divine revelations. Miracles. I mean, you just, I don't hear, I'm not here to tell you the life story of Paul tonight. You're well acquainted with all of the miraculous things that took place with Paul. You know, here's on an island and a mamba's on his hand and he shakes it in the fire and the natives are all looking for him to swell up and kill over it within minutes. He doesn't even, he doesn't even have a, a rash. Amen. He doesn't even have an allergic reaction. He doesn't have anything. <laughs> you know, here, here, here's Paul and he's, he's, he's cursing this one and healing that one and, and whatever he's saying is happening. And here he is, you know, God meets him. God meets him on the road to Damascus. I've stood right in the spot where he was knocked out of the saddle. And, and a voice, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, and here, who are you? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. Here's a man with such revelation that he doesn't even need to confer with the disciples who walked with Jesus. And he even says, I conferred with nobody. I got my revelation from God. And we and think about how great that is. Think about what you're enjoying tonight because a message of restoration came. And here we are in this day and we're the final voice to the final age. And a lot of people, you, you, they, they make that statement and sometimes I, it's almost a cliche. And I, I wonder if people even understand a lot of times why that's true. What, what makes you, why are you the final voice to the final age? Say, well, God sent a prophet and I believe the message. Well, that's kind of, that's more the, more the effect than the cause. There is a cause and that's more of an effect. Listen, friends, 
God sent us a message, a promised message, a promised messenger that would restore us back to the faith of the original teaching. And when Brother Branham was on the other side and those millions, he said, I only ever preach what Paul preached. Those millions said, we're resting on that. We're not resting on a bridge or a brown bear. We're resting on the word. Hallelujah. Had nothing to do with his humanity. We're resting on the Christ that works through him. And he's going back to Paul. Listen, we are the final voice to the final age. St. Paul was the final voice to all the ages. A lot of people don't know this, but in, in Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler was the Fuhrer. But actually, Himmler was Reichsfuhrer. And he's in charge at one, well, he finally got to the point where he has such a command of the armed forces that Himmler's orders cannot be countermanded even by Hitler. Because he's Reichsfuhrer. And he reaches a point where his orders cannot be countermanded by anybody. You understand, friends? Do you understand that Paul said that in the day when God will judge the world by Jesus Christ, he will judge them according to my gospel? Do you realize Paul's words cannot be countermanded even by God? Why? Because God gave him those words. It's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is going to judge the world. Paul was the final voice to all the ages. And when a prophet comes in this hour and restores us back, now you are the final voice to the final age. Because you have the word that God will judge the world by. You're talking about a supernatural ministry. Paul had many things in the realms of the supernatural. Prophecies, divine revelations, went into the third heaven. Said, I heard things that can't even, they're not even lawful to say it. But nothing, nothing exceeded his statement in Philippians 3 when he said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. All of his revelations, all into the third heaven, final voice for all the ages, sees Christ on the road to Damascus, cursing and healing and loosing and binding and, and, all, and all of that authority, all of that authority. But nothing was greater than when Paul could come and say that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Jacob had had all kinds of blessing, but nothing mattered more than that night he wrestled it out. Paul had had all kinds of things happen in his life, but nothing mattered more than the foundation, the main thing. Paul had the main thing. I want you to, I want you to ask this, answer this question in your heart. Do you have the main thing? I didn't ask you, could you memorize quotes and Bible verses? Do you have the main thing? Brother Branham. Oh my. Supernatural. 
conversions surpassing a million people before he died. And then who's to say how many more afterward, years after he come to a million people? So many confirmed miracles, more by a long way than are recorded in the entire New Testament, including the earthly ministry of Jesus in the Gospels and all the saints combined through the book of Revelation. This thing wasn't done in a corner, y'all. This wasn't no small thing. God wasn't joking with the world when he sent a prophet here with a supernatural ministry that you could take all the other ministries of that hour and put them all combined and they wouldn't even compare to the miraculous. To say, no, we're not even touching the prophecies. We're not even touching the revelation of the word. But nothing would ever be more important than when a young boy was climbing trees in a forest, sticking letters to God in the top so God would come by and read them. You think what kind of heart. And him not even converted. And he's climbing trees. He's trying to find the tallest tree and writing, I want to talk to God. So I wrote him a letter and I put it in the top of a tree. I thought maybe he'll see it. Nothing was more important than to get this message to God. Trying to get a message to God. Say, what was the message he was trying to get? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like he said there on the cattle drive. Sir, I don't know who you are. But please don't punish me till I can find the real thing. Trying to write a letter. I'm sorry. What was he sorry for? Everything. He was sorry for everything. This wasn't a conditional surrender. He was trying to find God fully, completely. Kneeling in an old garage trying to hold his hands the right way so that he could talk to God correctly. Till that flaming cross came, came in and, 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 and when that happened, that was literally the foundation stone to all that would follow. Everything that would follow. He says in Victory Day, then in that garage that night, when I said, God, I can't go any further, I'll die. And when I was there in that old wet building on my knees, kneeling on an old grass sack with my hands up saying, God, I don't know how to talk. Mister, I, I, wanna, I, wanted, I wanted to write him a letter uh, to ask him to forgive me. I didn't know how to pray. I wanted to be forgiven. I promised that when I was dying on the bed and he let me, when the doctor done give me up, my heart was only beating 17 times a minute. And you know how slow that was? And he said, and the doctor said, he's dying. And I heard it. I told my daddy and pulled the curtains around me. Remember, he'd been shot and was bleeding out. So they pulled the curtains around me. And there in that room, that hour, I seen them big J's come all over. That curtain was around me like that. I heard that nurse crying say, he's nothing but a kid. And, he's, and here he's going. And, and, and spinal anesthetic had had leaked through and got into my heart and I was only beating 17 times a minute. When I got home, I had to prove that I loved God 
And I got down there on that ground and I said, I don't know how to pray. And I'd, I'd bite my thumbnail, you know, trying to just do anything to impress God like politicians do. Hmm. I thought maybe I've seen pictures. I'll fold my hands like this, put my fingers together. I said, dear sir, I'd like to speak with you. I'd listen. I said, I don't hear you. I said, I folded my hands wrong. Maybe I ought to do it like this. And I put my, I said, dear sir, I, Jesus Christ, I, I would like to speak to you. I said, sir, I don't hear you. Answer me. I, I heard other people say, God talk to me. Now I want to talk this over with you. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm struggling to get through this, friends. Mm, and he said, I, I don't hear you. And I heard other people say, God talk to me. Now, I, I, I want to talk this over with you. I promised you I would do it. I, I want to talk it over. Will you please come and, and speak to me, sir? thought, no, I ain't holding my hands right. Or, or he would say something. I didn't know how to do it. Never prayed in my life. Didn't know, didn't know what to do. This little old shed, I thought, according to the scriptures, as I've heard it read, he was a man. And if he was a man, he understands as a man. Uh, what a simple way to look at God. Do you understand tonight? He was a man. He knows what it feels like to feel wasted by the world. He knows what it feels like to be rejected and to be lonely. He knows every way you've been tempted. He took everything upon himself and suffered it at Calvary. There's so many things that Brother Brandon would say, Jesus Christ is in every line and every verse. And if you don't read him there, go back and read it again. You missed it. But we as humans, we look at that in a, in a humanistic way and we read about horrifying, grievous, vexing sins. You say, my goodness, that's almost not even mentioned. I can't even believe it's in the Bible. It's R-rated almost. Jesus never did stuff like that. Jesus didn't, but you did. And he took your sin upon him. He became you so you could become him. He became me so that I could become him. Oh, hallelujah. It's not about how I folded my hands or, 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 or tried to have a conversation. He's a man and he understands like a man. He understands as a man. That's right. And now I don't know whether you hear me. See, now watch. Devil said, why you done send away your day of grace. There's no more, see? You've been so mean till he won't forgive you. I said, I don't believe that. I just can't believe it. I believe he would talk to me. Where's your faith at tonight, friends? Don't let the devil tell you you're done sending. Don't let him tell you you've been too bad. Don't let him tell you he won't talk to you. That's not true. He's talking to you now. Hallelujah! He's talking to you right now. I said, sir, sir, I don't know if I make a mistake, if I ain't got my hands folded right or whatever it is, you forgive me for that, but I want to talk to you. I said, I'm the lowest rascal in the world. 
I said, I've done all these things and I run from you and all went on talking like that. And the first thing you know, while I was talking across the room, come a little light and went over on the sidewall and formed a cross of light, that light, and began to talk in a language. I never heard such a thing as speaking in tongues, never even read it in the Bible. I was looking up there and I seen that light and I was talking, he was talking some kind of a language. Then it went away. And I said, sir, I said, I... I don't know nothing about this Christian life. I said, if that was you talking to me, I can't understand your language, sir. But if you'll talk, if you if you can't speak my language and I don't understand yours, but but may we understand one another like this. If you'll just come back there again, then that'll be a sign between me and you that you forgive me. Oh, can you do you understand that God is that personable that you can say to him tonight, Lord, this will just be between me and you? Lord, you love me that much. I want to be your friend. I want to be your family. And this will just be between you and me tonight. Hallelujah. It'll be a sign that you forgive me. There it was again. Oh, you talk about a V-Day. I had one, yes. A real V-Day. There it was again, talking the same way. And I had a V-Day, oh my. And since then, when he put his word in my hand, I fought to win the prize, to sail through bloody seas. We've all got a victory. We fought through many victories. And a great victory is coming just soon, just right around the corner. Hallelujah. This, you haven't run in vain, friends. I'm here to tell you tonight, you're not going to be left holding the bag. You're not going to get the short end of the stick. You're not going to be embarrassed or humiliated. Hallelujah. This gospel is a real gospel. Hallelujah. It'll change lives. Our complete V-Day will be soon when the Son of God shall break the skies and scream with the voice of the archangel, he shall come again and the grave shall open and the dead shall walk out. You talking about a victory day, the dead shall walk out. And I'm here to tell you, they won't be dead anymore. Hallelujah! My daddy won't be dead anymore. Brother Charlie won't be dead anymore. Hallelujah! Oh, glory to God! And no one will ever die anymore. Hallelujah. Come, Brother Harry, wherever you are, come back. Come, musicians. Listen, friends. A V-Day awaits us all. There, a V-Day is the promise of the Scripture. Brother Harry, I heard you sing, and I know you sing it in the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. Why don't you stand up with me, friends? Do you believe in the kind of real God that we're speaking about tonight? Listen, friends, this is, this is even a, a, a rare type of a sermon for me to preach. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not an evangelist, and, but it just burned on my heart and burned on my heart. And I read through these things. Listen, friends, I, I know what it's like I know from my, from my life, I know what it's like to be Jacob and be tired of it. I know what it's like to not want to be Jacob anymore. I've said it, I said it to my own church, and I, I said it some years ago, preaching on that. I said, when the time Jacob got to this wrestling match, 
Jacob was so done with being Jacob. He was so tired of being Jacob. And you know something? I, I, I would imagine there's some people in here tonight. Why don't you bow your heads all over the audience with me? Just play it for me, Brother Harry. Just quietly there, softly and all. We'll catch the singing in a minute. You know, as I thought about it myself, you know, just because, I mean, here I stand and there you stand. And you say, well, I've already wrestled it out a long time ago. I, I already passed from death life. Brother Jason, I've been a Christian for many years. And I, I've, I've had great exploits. But you know, Brother Daryl and I were talking about it in the back room there. That God is, the, that, that renewal is, is, is stitched into the very fabric of reality of God's kingdom. Everything is about renewal. Everything is about pressing higher and pressing on. And, it, and with your heads bowed now, all heads bowed. And it, it doesn't matter whether, we, whether I would say, I could use the term, I could say, you know, to one person, you need to draw closer to, to the Lord. I could say to another person, you need to move deeper in the Spirit. I could say to another person, you need to rise higher and fly toward the heavenlies. And you know what? They would mean the same thing. All three of those mean the same thing, but to each person individually where they are, it starts stacking up. And I am convinced that if you're like me, and I've passed from death to life a long time ago, and I, there's no doubt in my heart, I know because I love His appearing, and I love His word, and I love His life, and I love His righteousness. And I too, like you, have had many supernatural experiences. But you know something? <clears throat> Why is it that in spite of everything God has done, sometimes we born-again people find ourselves languishing? We find ourselves sputtering. We find ourselves, you know, not up the road like we ought to be. And after God has done so many things. I just, I just was saying to myself, as I was studying this in the room tonight, I said, Lord, I, I want to take the next ground and I don't ever want to surrender that ground again. I want to take the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And I'm tending to move further and deeper and higher and further and deeper and higher. I'm going to get closer. I'm going to go deeper. I'm I'm gonna fly higher and, 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 and I'm not gonna be Jacob because Jacob still lives in my flesh amen I know you're taught that here I've heard brother Donnie preach it he still lives in your flesh this flesh is still unredeemed it's got to be changed but let that inner man soar tonight and just say Lord God I'm tired of Jacob ruling the inner man I want to have the strong man of the house. I want to have Christ in control of my life. Maybe you've never had the strong man down inside your heart. Why don't you take tonight and say, Lord, change my name, change my nature, change my character. Change me from a Jacob to an Israel. Change me from a, a, a deceiver, a supplanter. Change me to a prince. When the dead in Christ rise, I want to be a part of them. Sing it, Brother Harry. In the morning. In the morning when I rise. Oh, let's sing it. In the morning when I rise. Oh, my. In the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. 
Raise up those hands and sing it now. Let it be a prayer. Give me Jesus. Hallelujah. You can have all this world. Oh my. Give me Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. And when I am alone, oh, when, when I, I am alone, when I feel so alone, give me desire in our hearts to be like him that a dying world could see him in our day they could see him 
through us. His bride. Bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Spirit of his spirit and life of his life. What a privilege, friends. In this hour of darkness and chaos. and We've been given the opportunity to know him. Thank you, buddy. We desire your prayers. Uh, me and Brother Danny be leaving in the morning. Have to be at the airport at five and heading to Nicaragua for the uh, youth camp down there next week. And we just desire your prayers that the Lord would help us and that we could touch those kids, change their lives. Lord, give us traveling grace and watch over us. And a little bit of unrest in that country in the last little bit. And sometimes the Americans are not too welcome there. We just desire your prayers that the Lord will bring us back home safely. And I remember years ago I was, I was nervous about traveling and just, just a young preacher. And I was seeking the Lord one night. And in my study, I was laying on my face and seeking the Lord. And the Lord spoke a scripture to me in Psalms 121, verse 8. And I, I really didn't know what it said. I'll be honest with you. I, and I got up and opened up my Bible and it said something like this. The Lord shall preserve thy going out, thy coming in from this time forward and forevermore. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. With all hearts clear tonight, let's just bow our heads and certainly appreciate the word of God and spoke to our hearts. It's so true, friends. Get so tired of being me. Amen. If if you're here tonight, maybe you've never really wrestled it out with him, and maybe some of the things that Brother Jason spoke about, you maybe really don't understand, or maybe you've never really experienced it. But there's one thing I know that he could be. He can be just as real to you as your faith can declare him to be. Search your hearts tonight and come to this experience. There's nothing in this world worth missing it over, friends. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I I'm really, I'm not a smart person, Lord. I don't know fancy words. But, Lord, I could relate to the, to the things we heard tonight, Lord. Just to come with that simple face to you. Just to talk to you. Just to open my heart to you. Tell you, Lord. Just what's in my heart. And, Lord, if there be one here tonight young and old, whatever, Lord. May they just open their hearts to you, God. May they just open their hearts to you. Grant it, Lord, I pray. Father, we thank you for the word that we heard tonight.
How it stirred our hearts, Lord. Because we still believe that you squeeze a man's heart and the juice comes out of his eyes. And Lord, we're so grateful that in this day of hardness and coldness that you can still squeeze our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray tonight for my brother, for my sister, for every family. Oh God, I pray that your blessings will be upon them, Lord. That they can know you, Lord, in the power of your resurrection. Go with us now, Lord. Bless Brother Jason. Give him strength back to his body, Lord. Bless our pastor, Brother Donnie. Lord, watch over us as we travel this week. Be with my family, Lord. Keep them safe here at home. We just love you, Lord. We just want to serve you, God. If we could just touch that one soul, Lord, our lives has not been in vain. Lord, be with your people now. Give them traveling grace and the rain, Lord. And may each one make it safely home and able to come back in the morning. And those that's afflicted, Lord, with the sicknesses and the things that's going around, may it just leave them, Lord, at the rising of the sun, Lord. May their strength return that they can come to the house of God and raise their hands and give you glory, Lord. But Father, we just love you, Father. We just want to serve you, Lord. We want to give every ounce of our strength, Lord, our minds, our bodies, all that we are, Lord. We want to surrender into your hands, dear God. Use us, Lord, in this last great day push, we pray. Go with you people now, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Dismiss the fear of the Lord. Good to be a Christian. Ain't it good to know where you came from? Ain't it good to know where you're going? Amen. May the Lord richly bless you. Sing it again, Brother Harry. Oh, Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to, to you. Let the
desire to worship. 